Bibles, if you would, and find Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14, familiar prophecy in the Old Testament, but you may want to keep your Bibles open. We may look at some verses that are around that particular passage today. And uh, we want to encourage you uh, over this uh, next week or two. Next Sunday on uh, uh, December the 20th, we're having uh, what we're calling celebration services. We still have our two services next Sunday, but we encourage you to come be a part of those. The choir's going to be singing, I think, in both services and uh, some other special music. So the choir, that's right. It's been about nine months, but uh, the choir's going to be singing, so we'll be looking forward to that. And then on Christmas Eve, 3.30 and 5 o'clock service, I think choir singing in both of those services as well. So you just want to be ready and uh, help to celebrate those times together and add that as part of your Christmas celebration as well. We're in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse... Uh, 14 today and uh, <clears throat> let me encourage you we're going to read one verse today but let me encourage you to stand for this verse and if you'll stand we're going to have to say a word of prayer as we uh, give praise and adoration and prayers for a Christmas celebration to come uh, this now is the word of God from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you even now, knowing that your presence is in this place. We thank you, Father, for an opportunity that regardless of what's happening in the world today, that we can celebrate because of the coming of the Christ child who was born in Bethlehem, who came and lived perfect life. And we thank you for the Son gave his life for us so that we might be able to have life. And Father, we come today in recognition, adoration of your holy name. We come, Father, also asking you for forgiveness where we have failed you. Father, may we be in a right relationship and fellowship with you today. So we come to you and asking for your forgiveness of sin, bringing our needs before you, before the altar today. Know that you're greater than any need that we face. We thank you for the opportunity today to come and uh, let others know also that you're our Lord and Savior, by even by our very presence here. We pray, Father, for all these in this room, all those who may be listening or watching today. And, Father, may you speak to each one of us. May you help us to be in tune, remove all distractions from around us or from our hearts that would keep us from seeing what you would have to say to us today. We thank you, Father, for praise that have been lifted already. We know that you hear our prayers, and we pray that you may prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christmas Day and for what you would like to tell us today. Father, now may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart and our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in California and wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Christmas, or maybe it's called The Purpose of Christmas, but it, it, he tells about how his family celebrates Christmas and tradition that he has ever since he was a preschooler, that they have a birthday party for Jesus on Christmas Eve, complete with angel food, cake, and candles, and uh, they sing songs, and they have somebody, and they've been doing this ever since he was a preschooler, now four generations, five decades they've been doing this, and the youngest child, now the youngest grandchild, blows out the candle, and they 
tell the Christmas story of what's going to take place. Now, that's not all that uncommon. Maybe many of you have something similar to that. You have a birthday party for Jesus. That's what Christmas is, a birthday party for Jesus. And remember what he did for us. But he says also they go around and they ask every family member two questions, two personal questions to ask. What from this past year are you thankful to God for? And I wonder how they're going to answer that in the year of 2020, but what are you thankful for this past year? The second question is, since this is Jesus' birthday, what are you going to do for him, and what are you going to give him this next year? Well, this morning I want to ask two similar questions. How do you or how will you celebrate the birth of Christ this year? It will be different. It's different for us here at church. We're not doing all the celebrations of which we're doing. It's probably different for you and your family a little bit this year because of what's happening in 2020. But I'm really not asking how you're going to celebrate physically, but what kind of spiritual celebration. We'll talk about some of those things. But I want you to be able to answer that question today, how you're going to celebrate this year. And then the second question is this, what difference will it make in the coming year? Since this is Jesus' birthday and all that he's speaking to teach us and we're talking about this series, C-O-V-I-D, Christmas, what is it the Lord may be wanting us to see and do clearly and what direction does he want us to go? So what will you do different perhaps this coming year? So we read today uh, one verse and a promise made 700 years before Jesus was born by the prophet Isaiah. And we read today and know that every prophecy and every word rings true. So if you've got your notes, and we're going to follow along maybe with some of these questions, what is the story of Jesus? Who needs to hear the story, and how will you celebrate it? So let's begin with what is the story according to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Well, the, the story of Jesus is a sign of something. It's a sign of something. Obviously, I'm just going to begin with an E here in a moment. But we would do well to be able to understand the events that surrounded Isaiah giving this prophecy and either learn a little bit about this prophecy or maybe be reminded, you may already know, but by the time of Isaiah, the Hebrew people had already been divided into two nations. There was the northern nation of Israel and there was the southern nation of Judah. In Judah is where Jerusalem and, Ju uh, uh, and uh, Bethlehem were. Ahaz was the king of Judah the southern kingdom. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you'll come and you'll find out many times there'll be a good king, maybe, and maybe a good king, maybe two good kings together, and then suddenly there'll just be a lousy king, a godless one. And that's kind of what happened here. So you might remember the, there was King Uzziah. He was the king of Judah. He was a fairly godly king. He's known as a good king. So was his son Jotham. But Ahaz came next, and he was not a good king. Now, you know, all these kings were the descendants of King David. They were all part of the line of David. And it said about Ahaz, he did more evil than any before him. And probably just by virtue of that name, you know Ahaz is not a good king. Well, Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, they were in civil war. Now, not to tell you all the details, but the northern kingdom, Israel, wanted Judah to align with them and to fight against Assyria, which was kind of the moving nation, the nation that was kind of in charge at that time. But Ahaz refused. So Israel was seeking to overthrow Judah. 
But even though Ahaz was ungodly, God was not through with Judah. You know that Judah was the southern kingdom from which Jesus would be born. And God sent the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz to tell him God would protect Judah. And Ahaz was to have a change of heart and put his trust in God. But Ahaz would not trust God. He worshipped foreign idols. Everybody follow me so far. Well, the prophet Isaiah met King Ahaz. The Bible tells us early and there at the spring in Jerusalem spring of water there in Jerusalem, and Isaiah told him to put his trust in God. If you got your Bibles open, you might look at the last part of verse 9, chapter 7 and verse 9, also on your screen. It says this, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all, he tells the king. Well, that's probably true for all of us. If we don't stand firm in faith, we're not going to stand at all. And then verses 10 and 11 says, And again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God and let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Notice what's going on here. The Lord spoke to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah and he says, you can name your own sign. You give a sign to God and I'll do it whatever it is. This is a this was, of course, very unique. I can't think of a time in the Bible in which God told somebody, you just come up with your own sign and I'll do it, whatever it is. But, I mean... Here we are, maybe he was able to do this or, you know, because he was king of Judah, king of God's people. Some people do get special treatment, kind of like if the president or coach Nick Saban gets the COVID, you know. Some people do get special treatment. It's okay to laugh. It's all, it's, it could be as significant, he said, or as high as heavens, deep as the she, as Sheol, place of the dead, high as the heavens. God gave this king a one-time deal. But I don't think it was because he was the king of God's people. I think it because he was without faith. And whatever it named, it will happen as a sign that Isaiah is telling the truth and that God is with him if he puts his trust in God. Read his response in verse 12. It says, But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord God to the test. Boy, that sounds very pious, doesn't it? even sounds kind of godly, but actually it was, a, it was a false humility. He refused to ask for a sign because it would require him to trust God. And he'd already decided he was going to side with the enemy. He was going to side with the Assyrians against Israel. Now, he spoke very respectful of God. Some people who speak very respectfully of God sometimes talk about God can sometimes be some of the same ones who refuse to obey or put their trust in God. Ahaz was one of those people. So in verse 14 that we read just a moment ago, Isaiah said, Since you will not choose a sign, the Lord's going to give you a sign. It's going to be a sign for you and your generation and for every generation. It's going to be the greatest sign ever. And at that moment, Ahaz made a choice. God did protect Judah, just as he had said, but Ahaz would be the most godless of the kings of Judah. In fact, he would sacrifice and even burn his own sons on the altar in order to appease a foreign idol god. When it comes to the kings of Israel, he was among, if not the very worst. Though he was a descendant of David, he was crowned king of Judah. Ahaz was not mentioned, though, in the genealogy of Judah. In fact, the genealogy of the Davidic line from David to Jesus was fulfilled through David's son, Nathan. Have you ever asked for a sign from God? God, what are you up to? God, what, what's happening? Where are you? What are you going to do? 
God, will you, will you send me a sign? I need, to know what, I need to know what to do in this particular situation. Well, the good part of asking God for a sign is that at least you're asking the right one for the answers. But too often we miss the sign or the signs that have already been given. Demanding a sign from God in order to believe is a reflection of not being firm in the faith. We read in verse 9, what did it say? You, if you're not firm in the faith, you will not stand at all. You remember the shepherds who were told by the angels in Luke chapter 22 and verse 12? This will be a sign unto you. There'll be a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. You know what I think the sign is and what it points to? The sign, of course, is the birth of Jesus. And it's a sign of love, hope, and peace. But it's also a sign of encouragement. How people need encouragement today. Boy, as you exit 2020 and enter into 2021 in your own personal lives when you're in despair or you're lonely, the story of the Christ child is a sign of encouragement. The story according to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Jesus is the sign of hope and encouragement. Well, the story of Jesus or the story in Isaiah chapter 7 says that Jesus is also the son of something. The sign is specifically fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Now the Hebrew word that's used in Isaiah chapter 7 for the word virgin also means young woman or unmarried woman. So it's been long debated whether Isaiah meant virgin specifically or not. Now we're not given all the details, but the prophecy was probably that I that Isaiah gave was probably fulfilled in Isaiah's time partially by a woman that was at that time not married who became married and who was a reminder of God's promise. There was likely an immediate fulfillment in that generation. What was often the case with many of the prophecies of the Old Testament, they would be fulfilled in that generation. It'd be the immediate fulfillment and then there would be the ultimate fulfillment significant in every generation. And we're not told who or about the immediate fulfillment in Isaiah's day. But Matthew tells us that the complete or the ultimate fulfillment was in Isaiah, that in, from Isaiah 7, 14, was in Jesus. And thus it's part of the Christmas story. So when Matthew quotes the verse, in the Greek, in the New Testament, he uses the word that only means virgin, a woman who has not had relations with a man which leaves little doubt that the Bible says Jesus' birth was a miraculous birth. It was around the turn of the 20th century. From the 19th century to the 20th century, about 120 years ago, Southern Baptists were having uh, maybe some problems about understanding theology. It was about to go into a different direction. So the Southern Baptist leaders got together. They came up with specific truths and ideas that they knew that everybody needed to understand about what the Bible says. And, uh, and so let me just give you five of those. There were probably more, but these are five basic truths that were true then and they are true now. The first of one is that the Bible is true. It can be relied upon from Genesis to Revelation. The second one is the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. And this is true. The third one is Jesus is the way and the only way. No one cometh unto the Father. No one makes it to heaven except through him. And the fourth one is this. The miracles of Jesus in the Bible were true. Now you may think of that particular one. Maybe they're all true. But there was a time about 100 or so years ago that 
people were beginning to try to explain the miracles through science or through other ways that it wasn't necessarily a miraculous thing that happened but uh, more of a phenomenon or something that could naturally occur but we understand the Bible tells all the miracles of Jesus and the Bible were true and the fifth one is this the virgin birth is true why is that significant? Why was it significant then and why is it now? Because even though Jesus came to this earth as a man, was tempted in every way that we are tempted, knows everything that we know, has gone through everything that we have gone through, and even more, he's not of this world. He is the son of eternity. What's the story? of Isaiah chapter 7. He is the son of eternity. He has an everlasting quality. God the Father did not invent or create Jesus. He has always been. We know John, the gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word. Well, who's the Word? It's Jesus. It's Christ. It might blow our minds to understand it, but you will not have true faith without accepting it. Now, the Bible says that we are born into sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. We do not possess that eternal nature. But because of the gift of the Christ child, we can have an eternal relationship with him, the one who is eternal. It is significant. Well, what makes salvation possible is not the tattered rags of sin or that we can do anything about it ourselves, but it's God's signature on the Christ child. He, his stamp of eternity makes all the difference. The message is that he is our connection to that which is of the heavenly. He is our connection to that which is of the eternal. The story according to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 is the birth of Christ as a sign of encouragement and that he is the son of eternity. But also, he is someone called Emmanuel. And uh, we've used the E spelling of Emmanuel, though sometimes we know that it's spelled with an I, but it's because of alliteration purposes. We're using that in particular today. Only twice in the New Testament and twice in the Old Testament is Jesus called Emmanuel, and thus the reason that is identified so much with Christmas, yet it's a very significant title for Jesus. It describes who he is and what he does. Again, Matthew chapter 1, when Joseph had heard about Mary being with child, they were engaged, and he, the Bible says that Joseph, being a just man, was going to put her away privately. He was going to take care of the situation in a private way, in a way which he thought was even biblical. But then we know an angel came to him and let him know that uh, uh, she was uh, not unfaithful, but instead that she had been carrying a child that had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 says, The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, very first book in the New Testament. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, Jesus told God's people again and again that he would be with them. And then the New Testament opens with Emmanuel being born. God's going to be with you. And in that very same book, you know how it ends. Matthew chapter 28, it gives the Great Commission. And then Jesus ends by saying in Matthew 28, 20, And surely I am with you always. He's with us and he's with you from beginning to the end. He's not left us. He provides and protects Nowhere, though, does the Lord promise you success and riches and popularity or an easy life. But he does promise to hang around and help. He promised to be very close. So what's the message the world needs? What's the message the world wants? 
Somebody's with you. Somebody's rooting for you and cares for you. And his name is Jesus. Well, who needs to hear the story of Jesus? People who need Christ. Who needs to hear the story of people who need Christ? Billions of people today need to hear the message of the Lord Jesus. Many, many need to hear for the very first time. It's a staggering thought to think of how many people need to hear the good news of Christ or know the love of God. And we should not think that it belongs to maybe some super spiritual people to handle the low, that there's other people that certainly better than us, certainly more spiritual than us, that are to go out and to be able to tell these people to be able to show God's love. But we all have to take responsibility. Even people like us who are imperfect, we need to be ready to be able to share. We need to get involved. Think a minute about your own salvation. Boy, we don't deserve to be forgiven of our sins. We don't deserve the grace that God has shown us, but because of His grace, we know that He is holy, that we're sinful, but if you're a child of God, you began your journey with Him. He gave you that forgiveness, and you repented and put your faith in the one called Emmanuel. He provided salvation, and He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. The greatest promise to salvation is not just eternal life. It is His abiding presence. Consider I'd rather have one day with Christ than have an eternity without Him. But He's promised to always be with us. I want you to, we're in Isaiah, so let me give you this verse from Isaiah chapter 43. I think it also will be on your screen. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Fear not, I am with you. Now, when you look at those verses, if you think about the Old Testament, who do you think of? Well, first part of that, through the waters, I think of Noah and his family that God saved, certainly. I think of Daniel's three friends when I think about he'll be with us even through the fires. Think of Daniel, and you remember the story of Daniel and his three friends who refused to bow down to the golden image and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And when the king looked in, who did he see? He saw not three, but he saw four. And he saw the Son of God. He saw Emmanuel. God was with them on their journey, even through the fire. Has the Lord been with you through the raging waters? Has he been with you through the fire? He'll continue to do so. Have you begun your journey with Emmanuel? If you're not, you're encouraged to begin today. I think of no better time than Christmas 2020. Oh, it's been a tough year, but if you think it, it was a tough year, but that's the time, that's the year, this is the day that I gave my heart and my life to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I've known others who have done that this year. This year, ask the Lord to forgive them of all of their sins. Ask Christ to come in and be Savior and Lord. This year, uh, He's with you from the beginning of salvation, but it's not the end. Will you be involved in walking with Christ, abiding with Him, telling other people who need to hear the story of Jesus because they need to know the Christ of salvation? Who else needs to hear the story? People who need comfort. Jesus has promised to help us in our pain and our sorrow and our hurts. Christmas is often a time that the pain of loss and hurt is magnified. Oh, but at the same time, it is the Christ child 
who's your encouragement and your helper. Remember the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus is the comfort and the strength that people need to face life's sorrows. People too often turn to other things for comfort during times of crisis of life, whether it be things like drugs or alcohol. Some people try to keep a busy schedule or entertainment or maybe through power or prestige, but these are only a distraction. Jesus helps us to look honestly with an eternal perspective and deal with them at the foot of the cross prisoner of war and one-time presidential candidate John McCain was asked by Time magazine to not only tell about his life but tell about his journey of faith in this, this article McCain shared about a powerful story of something that occurred while he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam he says and these are his words when I was a prisoner of war in Vietnam my captors would tie my arms behind my back and then loop the rope around my neck and around my ankle so that my head was pulled down between my knees. I was often left like that for hours on end, sometimes through the night. One night a guard came into my cell. He put his fingers to his lips signaling for me to keep quiet and he loosened my ropes so that I might be able to be free from pain and sleep through the night. The next morning when his shift ended, the guard returned, tightened the ropes, never saying a word to me. About a month later, it was Christmas Day. And I was standing in the dirt courtyard when that same guard approached me. He didn't look at me. He didn't smile at me. But with his sandaled feet on Christmas Day, he took and he put the shape of a cross into the sand. And we stood there silently for a few moments, remembering the true light of Christmas, even in the darkness of a Vietnamese prison camp. It was a reminder of God's presence. Even when there's no pandemic, even when there's no political or social strife, the economy is good, everyone faces some crises and sorrows in their life. And the people they need, they need comfort in His presence all during their life. That's why people do not need to wait, put off making their peace with God. And even in the end, He's with us to take us to be with Him forever. Who else needs to hear the message, hear the story? People who need clear direction. People need clear direction in life. They need meaning, and Jesus gives meaning to life. Serving God is exciting work. It's a privilege, but, but it's not always easy. Oh, I, I weary to hear the messages of preachers and others who give the message that all, if you'll do everything right, if you'll pray enough, if you'll follow enough, then life will be rosy. That's not promised. That's not what his name means, but it does mean he's there to help us to do his work to do his work through you and that you're not alone. Uh, at the risk of being run off or stripped of my Auburn fan status, I've got to make a confession to you. This year, 2020 Iron Bow may have been one of the best ever. And I, and I know you're wondering how that could be, certainly for an Auburn fan. I understand it. Listen, I was at kick six. I became your pastor two days after kick six. That's how I count time now here at Parkway. Ever since Kelly and I ran onto the field, I think that was just last year after we beat Alabama. I tell you, it was harder getting back over the bushes in the wall than it was getting down those bushes. So I understand 
so how could this be the best or one of the best iron bowls ever for an Auburn fan? Well, first of all, we got to play football, which we didn't think was might not happen, so we got to play, but maybe this picture will help. Around the first quarter, my grandson crawled up into my lap and stayed there till about the third quarter. And listen, I really thought this was a picture of him sleeping and me watching the game, but I think we took turns. I woke up after a few minutes and asked my one-year-old grandson, I said, what did I miss? And he said, not much. <laughs> Could you take that picture off now? Could this really be the best Christmas ever? How could 2020 ever be called your best year? It's possible. If you finally climbed up into the lap of your Lord and Savior and found yourself in the center of God's will, if you finally took his hand and allowed him to lead you to where you needed to be so that you had clear direction and he was walking with you, or you finally allowed him to walk you through the spiritual minefields of a world gone crazy, and you understood God's direction for your life. Oh, do you hope it happens? You like to be in the center of God's will. You like to know that you're following. Can I tell you something? Jesus has done everything necessary so that you might be able to know purpose in life, meaning in life, and no clear direction. So the rest is up to you and me. We've got to take Jesus by the hand. He's offering it. We've got to crawl up and we've got to be in the center of God's will. He's Emmanuel. God dwells with us. He doesn't make fleeing appearances. He dwells and makes his home in your hearts. It's the wise thing to do to walk with him today because even in heaven, Jesus is called Emmanuel. Notice Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. Emmanuel, they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Well, how will you celebrate the birth of Jesus? Let me, let me give you some ideas here. You sure you, want to do, you sure want to do it through praise. We offer many things at our church, maybe not as many this year as we do some years, but we offer many that you might be able to do that very thing, to be a part of praise and worship. So maybe you have already been celebrating the birth of Jesus. I think we've done that even today. I have uh, this year, until we, I guess we made the announcement of what we were doing for Christmas Eve, are we going to have our Christmas Eve service? How are we going to have our Christmas Eve service? And now you know, yes, we're going to have our Christmas Eve service, and it's going to be uh, at uh, 3.30 and 5. We encourage you to come, if you can, at the 3.30 service. I believe there'll be more room, and you'll help others to be able to come to the 5 o'clock service. If it does not matter to you and your family, come at 3.30, we'll have overflow rooms. But when I told somebody, yes, we're going to have Christmas Eve service, they said, great, that's when our Christmas begins for our family. When we're part of that Christmas Eve service, more than just a tradition, but one way to celebrate and praise the name of Jesus. Well, let me also encourage you to incorporate some personal and family praise in some ways through songs, prayers, or simply sharing out loud the story of Jesus. Give praise. And then let me encourage you through giving. Through giving, we give to others because Jesus gave us the most precious gift ever. It, it truly may be that more people are in need this year than they have been in a long time, but I think it's also true more people are helping others than in the past, or at least maybe I've just heard of more of others than maybe in the past or more this year. 
But I do believe that wherever there's a need, God is someone ready to help with that need. We just have to pay attention. In his book, Crazy Love, Francis Chan shares the story about a family of five with three kids under the age of ten who choose to celebrate the birth of Jesus in a unique way. On Christmas morning, they get up and they don't necessarily go to the gifts under the tree, but the first thing they do is they make pancakes and they make hot coffee and they go downtown in the large city in which they live looking for homeless people who may have nowhere to go on Christmas Day. And they pass out with the family so that others might be able to have a warm and filling breakfast on Christmas morning that they may not have otherwise. All three kids of the family look forward to this time of giving a little bit of tangible love to people who otherwise who would have been alone or cold and probably without breakfast. Can you think of a better way to start the holiday that celebrates the God who is love? So praise, giving. Think of a way in which you may do that and do that even more so this year. And then there's telling. Not just the story of Christmas, but the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Look for an opportunity to be able to share with someone, a family member, or a friend, or even a stranger, something about Jesus this week or next week, or maybe several times over the next few days. Who needs to hear you share? Listen, who needs to hear you share and tell the difference Christ has made? People who need Christ, people who need comfort, and people who need clear direction. C-O-V-I-D Christmas 2020 is our theme of our series uh, this Christmas. We're on the V for that. You've seen the name. Virgin born Emmanuel. What's the gift? It is this. Vacant no more. Because of the virgin born Emmanuel, your heart no longer needs to be empty. You no longer have to be in despair. He has the cure for loneliness, depression, and discouragement. Fill your heart and life with Jesus. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to come bring celebration and worship to the holy name of Jesus. We thank you for the prophecy of Isaiah, and we thank you for how it tells us how one would be born that would be a sign to the whole world of how much you love and care for us. We pray, Father, we may be a part of sharing this with others. And even today, Father, because we've been a part of this worship service, whether it's here or online, Father, we know that we're part of the sharing. We pray, Father, that there's someone here, someone listening today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they can point back to this year. Maybe they're even unsure but they can point back to this year, even today, and say, now I know. Now I know Christ is my Lord, and I now I know I have a home in heaven. So we encourage you, if you're not sure, if you don't know Christ, call upon him even now. Ask Christ, even in these few moments, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. It won't be because you said the right things on your lips, but because of what's in your heart if this is what you desire, if this is where you place your faith, God brings salvation. And Father, we pray for all believers who are listening today that today might be the day that we say, yes, Lord, the events are surrounding our lives, whether it be the personal events or the things happening in our nation or worldwide, are not as important as what Christ is doing within each one of us. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. Thank you for how you continue to be at work. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.